Truly, Jesus is still the answer, the answer of our needs. The world may be looking for peace, but they don't know where to find it. In our church history, we studied about how that Jesus established his church, how that he came, provided us a savior, and he gave the church the commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And after almost 2,000 years have passed, and after literally millions upon millions of millions of Christians have been put to death for their testimony for Jesus Christ, Jesus is still the answer. With all of the changes that have been wrought, the changes in religion today, compared to what it is in the New Testament, basically that's what the chart is all about, is to show the changes in the Roman church and to look into the New Testament and see that there is still a people that believe the same doctrines, practice, the same practice 2,000 years later, even though, well, even during 1,200 years of the Dark Ages, there were over 50 million Anabaptists who are Baptists were killed as a testimony of their trusting Christ rather than following a religion that had changed what God had taught us to do. And uh, this morning I'm going to ask you the question and answer it from the scripture. Or at least I'm going to show you how you can answer it. The question is, are you saved? Are you saved? If someone should ask you the point-blank question, when you die, would you die in your sins to stand before God to give an answer for your sins and then to hear the punishment of God, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, I never knew you, and have the angels to bind you hand and foot and cast you into outer darkness. Or would you be able to say, Yes, I know I am saved. If I should die, I know that my sins are already gone. I know that the moment I close my eyes in death, I will open my eyes in the presence of God, in the presence of Jesus Christ, who suffered, bled, and died that I might be saved. It is the most important question that will ever confront you. There is no problem in your life today that is that even comes close to being as important as the question, are you saved? No matter if you are dying with a terminal illness, no matter if you are just on the threshold of becoming married, or if you are just about to obtain a, a great 
promotion in your job. Or perhaps you may be facing one of the most difficult separations in your life. You may be in financial difficulty. You may be in all sorts of problems. Or you may have many blessings. But there is absolutely nothing in the lives of any of you today that is more important than this simple question, are you saved? Let me have your attention just for a bit. In the book of Luke, chapter 19, verse 10, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. My friend, that's the purpose that Jesus came suffered, bled, and died. In the book of Luke, chapter 5 and verse 32, Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In the book of Mark, back one book, in the book of Mark, chapter 10, and verse 45, reading it slowly, giving you opportunity to turn to it and see it. In Mark 10:45, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. The Bible teaches that Jesus Christ is our Savior. We are the sinners. If saved at all, he will save us. We did not save ourselves. This morning I want to give you three illustrations, examples in the Bible of people being saved. Shall we bow our heads in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, speak to our hearts as we look at these three people. Jesus saved in a couple of places, healed their bodies which are a picture of our salvation. Lord, if there's anyone here today not saved, may they be saved before this service is up by personally receiving Christ into their heart. For we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Turn, if you would, please, to Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son. A favorite story among the young and the old. Luke fifteen eleven, and he said, A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. Let me stop and say this, that the young man had no right to ask his inheritance before his father had died. But he was asking, selfish, self-centered, narrow-minded in his own bigoted ways. And the Bible says he divided unto them his living. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far, far country. Notice, the father did not send him away, and the father did not run away from the son. The son left the father. In verse 13, and there wasted 
his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want, and he went and joined himself to a citizen, being an alien. He was not in his own province, he was an alien joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. The man permitted him to feed his pigs with the privilege that he could eat some of the pig food. <clears throat> And when he came to himself, many people realize how foolish they've been when they get AIDS, when they get venereal disease, when they get in the family way without being married. Many people begin to realize how foolish they have wasted their natural talent and substance that God gave them because they turned their back upon the Lord. This young man came to himself and he began to reason, which many people never do. Many people never realize that they are the cause of their problems. When they have no peace, they have no satisfaction, they find no assurance in this world, they only have themselves to blame and they never set down and become reasonable and say, I am responsible for my problems. This young man did that. He said, how many hired servants of my father have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and no more worthy to be called thy son. The father interrupted him, did not let him finish the statement. But the father said to the servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Now, it did not say the son found it. Not many years ago I saw some Baptist people running around with signs on their t-shirt, I found it, I found it, I found it. In the first place, Christ, who is salvation, is not an it. Christ is a person. And this young man did not find it. He came home and the Father forgave him. And I want you to again notice that this young man had spent, he had went away from the Father, he spent all, and he came home. The Father did the rest. Here's a picture of salvation. The Father did not 
go into the pig pen to get the, the son. The son left among a baboy and balik balik to his amahan. He went back to his father. My friend, as a sinner, you must come to yourself. The wonderful thing about it is that as Brother Avarico prayed, may the preacher preach and may the Holy Spirit convict. And when the word of God is brought forth, you as a sinner may realize that you are a sinner. You will recognize that sin and you will come back to the Father as a sinner, not as a son deserving. But you come as a, as a sinner and say, Father, I have sinned. And truly that is the way of salvation. It is a matter of repentance on the prodigal son's part and the Father will do the rest. You do not have to come and pound on the on the. Uh, platform up here and say, Oh Lord, save me, save me, save me. You don't have to pray, Oh God, save my soul, and just keep repeating and begging and pounding and all of that. No, my friend, it is a matter of you recognizing that you are a sinner, that you are a wicked, hell-deserving sinner that cannot save yourself, and you recognize that God is the one that will forgive you of your sin through the sacrifice and the person of Jesus Christ that you come and receive as your Savior by faith. The prodigal son shows us how to be saved. In your personal life, is there anything like this that happened? If you're saved, I'm sure there is very much in that passage of scripture to make you remember. The second story is in John chapter 4. In the book of John chapter 4, <clears throat> Jesus left Nicodemus, the religious sinner, in chapter 3. And the Bible says in John chapter 4, verse 6 through 29, and we'll not read all of these verses, because of our time does not permit. But the Bible teaches us that in John 4, verse 4, when he left Judea, it says he must needs go through Samaria. Now that was not the usual route the Jewish people went to Galilee. That was the direct line, but it was not the way that most Jewish people traveled, they avoided Samaria and the city of Samaria because they were half-breeds. They were half-Jew and they were half-Gentile. Rebellion area. And these people were hated by the Jewish people, by the, uh, by the devout Jews. They were hated. And yet Jesus needs go through Samaria. When he came to Samaria, to a city called Sychar, in verse 6, he sat down on Jacob's well, being the sixth hour, which means noon. And there cometh a woman, in verse 7, to draw water. Jesus saith, Give me a drink. 
because his disciples had gone away to buy meat. And the woman of Samaria said, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans, let alone women. Now, it's not in the Bible, but uh, that, that's understood. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and he proceeded to tell her about the living water. And she said, But you don't have anything to draw with. He began to put a spiritual application upon it in verse 14. But whoso drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Then in verse 15, this woman said, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither have to come here again and draw water in the middle of the day. Just simply because Nawasa had no water in tank. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband. Go call thy husband. And the woman, I'm sure she must be stuttered around a little bit and then she said uh, uh, I have no husband I have no husband Jesus said unto her thou hast said well I have no husband for thou hast had five husbands and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband in that you told the truth that you have no husband the woman said, Sir, I perceive thou art a prophet. Tell me. And then he, she tried to get him into a religious argument. Our fathers say that we are to worship in Jerusalem, and some say we are to worship up here, but what sayest thou? Verse 21, Jesus says unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when ye shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem Worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, that the true worshippers shall worship the Father in truth, in spirit, and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must Worship him in spirit and in truth. You cannot avoid one of the two. Your heart must be in it. The spirit of worship, the voluntary act, you must want to worship. Not only must you want, desire to worship, you must worship according to the Bible. If you leave off the Bible, you don't have worship, no matter how devout you might be. <coughs> On the other hand, you can memorize the book of John and say you believe it. But if you don't have it in your heart, you're going to go to hell. Because you may know the truth, but have no heart for it. There's multitudes of people that have the ability to do something, but they have no heart to do it. 
many people today are like the Samaritan woman. And this is a picture of, of our salvation. Look at verse 29, 28. The woman then left her water pot and went her way to the city and saith to the men. Now, she was a man's woman. She was not a woman's woman. She had no fellowship with women. The women despised her. They did not trust her because she would take their husband. So she had kind of separated from the mainstream of society. And the only people that she had any talk with were the men that she was involved with. And so when, when Jesus came to her and she recognized why she went and told it in the city, and probably the only people that would even give her an audience to listen to her were some of the men. They may have had the wrong idea in dealing with her, but still they listened to her, and she said, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did is not this the Christ. No other man has ever known everything that I have done, but this man told me everything that I did and everything that I was. What happened? I'll tell you what, the Holy Spirit worked in that woman's heart and the words that Jesus spoke brought out to her her sin problem. Not the problems of the men, not the problems of her parents, not the problems of the people in the city, but when God began to work in her heart, God began to work and reveal to her her sin. Not the sins and faults of other people we hide behind, but her sins became so so known to her that she could do nothing else but to come. And so we find that today people can be saved the same way. You see, Jesus came to her place. Jesus opened the conversation. Not many sinners opened the conversation on sin. Usually someone else is the one that begins the conversation. Somebody else does the winning. By the way, we are not a group of people that are looking to be saved. People talk about seeking the Lord nonsense. Sinners have never sought the Lord. Not without, first of all, being sought. The lost sheep was not seeking. The lost sheep was lost. Adam and Eve in the garden were not seeking God. They knew of their nakedness. But when God appeared, they hid. They ran away from God. Sinners are running away from God. It doesn't make any difference what kind of a service we have here at this place where we preach salvation. People don't usually just run in here. Once in a while, people accidentally stumble into this place, and when they do, they wonder what in the world they get into. Usually, this is the place that people attend one time, and they say, that's enough for me. They may have many different reasons, but the reason is because they are 
running from the Lord and they don't like what they hear. They don't want to be saved the Bible way. They want to be saved in a way that they can continue their sin, they can continue their idolatry, they can con- continue their crooked way of living, they can, they, they prefer that, they choose. There are many people that learn the truth, but they have no heart for the truth. And Jesus told this woman that if you're going to worship God, you will have to worship in spirit and in truth which means that first of all you must know how to be saved and second of all you will want to be saved. Nobody's saved just because somebody wants them to join the church. Nobody is saved because they join the church to get married. Nobody joins the nobody gets saved just because they join the church to please somebody. Nobody gets saved just because you may force them to go forward and go through the outward ceremonies of, of what to say and what not to say, even to the point of being baptized and attending church. That does not bring salvation. They that worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. You must know the truth. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And it is the Spirit that opens our hearts and makes us realize that we are a sinner. And so Jesus came to her place. Jesus opened the conversation. Jesus directed the way of salvation. We find that what she did was, first of all, she questioned. She lied. She avoided it. Is that not what we did? When confronted with our sin, did we not begin to excuse ourselves? When presented the way of salvation through Christ in Christ alone, did we not want to argue about whose baptism is right and why do they burn candles here and why do they throw water over here and why do the, why do you not wear your collar around backwards and they want to talk about all of these many other things? Yes, that's what we did. But we find that Jesus worked through those questions and made her face reality. Lady, woman, believe me, Jesus said. Woman, believe me. You don't know what you worship. And if you will truly worship the Father, you will worship Him in spirit and in truth. If you're going to be saved, believe me, you're going to repent of your sin from your own wicked heart and receive Jesus Christ as your only Savior, throwing away all of your idols, images, turning your back on religious uh, ideas that have been propagated since the last few hundred years, and you're going to come as a sinner without any merits whatsoever, and you're going to be saved by grace through faith, and let God do the saving. Thirdly and last and quickly. Chapter 9 of the book of John. The blind man. As we go through there, we find that in verse 1, Jesus passed by, saw a blind man lying from his birth. The disciples asked him, said, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Same old false idea in the world today that all 
all handicaps is because of a personal sin of either the parents or the individual. Jesus answered, neither. Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, that is, that he would be born blind, but that the works of God may be made manifest. He goes on down and he talks, Jesus said, I am the light of the world in verse 5. The Bible says that he, he spit into his hands. My goodness, didn't seem to be very uh, sanitary, did it? But he took a little bit of dirt in his hand and he spit in it and he mixed it up with his finger and he put it on the eyes of that man and said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Being a blind man, he made his way over there. And he came back seeing. Seeing. Come on, the neighbors saw it. Is not this he that was blind? They said, well, maybe, maybe he's like him. He said, verse 9, I am he. And then we find that he made mention in verse 11, a man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, go to the pool of Siloam. I washed and I, I, and washed. And I went and washed and I received sight. They said unto him, whence is he? He said, I don't know. Then in, they began to ask him questions about Jesus. And he said, I don't know. They began to criticize Jesus and said that he was a sinner and he was terrible. And in verse 25, he answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I don't know. But one thing I know. Once I was blind. Now I can see. You have that testimony today? Once you was lost? And now you know that you're saved. They said unto him again, What did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? Verse 27 said, I told you already, and you did not hear it. You want me to tell it again? Do you want to be one of his disciples? My, they got angry at him. And they said, Thou art his disciple. He did not tell them that he was a disciple of Jesus. They told him he was. I don't think he even knew it yet. He didn't even realize he was a disciple of the Lord. You say, how can that be? Because they... And you notice down here in verse... Uh, in uh, one of these verses, Jesus found him. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they'd cast him out when he found him. Now, let me ask you something. Why didn't the blind man go back and thank Jesus? Well, he didn't know who he would be thanking. He never did see Jesus. And so Jesus found him. And Jesus revealed himself unto him. And the Bible said in verse 38, I believe he worshipped him. My, I'll tell you, the blind, this man was blind because God had willed it so. Don't ask me why, but many people are in the circumstances that they are. Not all circumstances are blamed on sin and their behavior, but we find that according to this passage of Scripture that, that the works of God may be made manifest. Instead of kicking against our circumstances, we ought to recognize that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come 
unto repentance. People in the Philippines ought to thank God that they're born in the Philippines. You ought to thank God you're not born in Germany. You ought to thank God you haven't been born in Russia. You ought to thank God you haven't been born in, in China and remain. You ought to thank God that you're not born in, in England. Thank God that you're not born in France and Italy. I am naming countries that have less gospel preaching than in the Philippine Islands. Do you realize that? Do you realize that the Philippines has the open door opportunity to the gospel of Jesus Christ? We could go to look at a world map and we could see hundreds or tens of uh, tens and twenties of nations that their doors are absolutely shut to the gospel. There is no gospel except what comes in through radio and television from other nations into those countries. The Bible is not permitted. There is nothing permitted that will tell a person about Jesus Christ. They are blind and there is no one there that can open their eyes. Instead of you and I complaining about all of our third world conditions with all of our brownouts and all of our corruption, we ought to thank God that we are saved. We ought to thank God that we have the opportunity to be saved and to win others to Jesus Christ. I guarantee you it is going to be a more terrible thing to go to hell from the Philippines than it will from Germany. Did you know there's almost no gospel preaching in Germany? Did you know that? In Romania, the doors are just beginning to open back up. Sure, there's some Christians there, but oh, how few and how limited. Here in the Philippines, how many Baptist churches in Davao City alone now? How many others that are not Baptists that are yet preaching the gospel? Look at all of the radio programs. Sure, they may be wrong on some of the areas, but still there is enough gospel being preached by many of these that people can be saved if they will to be saved, if they want to be saved, if their heart is not too full of greed, and materialism. I hear many Filipinos say that when they get to America, they notice how much materialism there is. I think we ought to recognize how much materialism there is in the lives of Bible-believing Baptist people in Davao City. Just because you may not have much material does not mean that you are not materialistic in your heart. Because you put those things before you do the spiritual. That makes you materialistic. Owning a house and driving a car does not make you materialistic minded. It is putting those things, or the desire of those things, or to get those things, before you do going to church and giving your tithe and witnessing to people. Here was the blind man. He was blind because... God had willed it so in his life, and yet God said he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come into repentance. Romans 8.28 says, All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. 
If you will just be honest and upright and walk in the light as God gives you, no matter what your circumstances are, God can make it good if you will permit Him to. This man became the object of grace just as you may become the object of grace. As he was blind, he went blind, but he came back seeing because he obeyed the Lord, but not fully understanding it all. And yet we find that he needed to grow as a babe in Christ. But even a babe, even a little baby, sometimes you hear babies cry in the nursery in the toddler department, especially in the nursery department. And the nursery keepers do their best to bounce that baby into submission. And still the baby screams. Sometimes the mother will get up, walk up there and pick up the kid, and the kid quits crying. The baby can't talk. baby doesn't seem to know anything. But that baby knows their mother. There's a sense. There's a feel. There's just something about the smell and the touch. There's just something about the voice. There's just something about the heartbeat of that mother that that child understands. As a a newborn babe in Christ, there's something about the Father. There's something about the Lord Jesus Christ. There's something about the Bible that agrees with what we have. And so, my friend, this morning... Let me ask you again, are you saved? Have you realized that He is the Savior? That you are the sinner? That salvation is that you as a sinner letting God save your soul. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners as Paul continued of whom I am chief. So let him today save your soul. He said in Matthew ten twenty eight, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The plan of salvation is so simple and easy that you realize that you cannot save yourself. You realize that you are lost as a sinner. You realize that Christ is the only and able Savior and understanding those simple things, you remember that in Romans chapter 10 verse 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Shall we stand for prayer? Our Father in heaven, as we come to the invitation after giving the plan of salvation to all of these people today, if there's someone here that has never been saved, they've never witnessed the new birth, they don't know what it means to be born again, God help them to be saved. We ask, Lord, that if there are people here today that have never from their heart believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. May they come and be saved today. We ask, Lord, that we may see people come 
and just simply receive Christ as their personal Savior. Bless, we pray, this invitation for Jesus' sake. Amen. What page, Brother Jimmy? Page 85 in your songbook. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. It will not always be that way. There's coming the angel of death, the judgment bar. It'll be too late at that time. Today is the day of salvation. And so while God tenderly speaks to you, why not come? Why not act upon what you know? First of all, if you don't know that your sins are gone, if you are still living in your sin, that's quite evident your sins are not gone. Oh, you may have made some kind of talk and profession, but you've never turned from your sin. Then, my friend, salvation is has no meaning to you. Forgiveness of sin has no meaning to you. If you are still in your sin, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. If you're not saved today, come and be saved. If you do not know that heaven is your eternal home, if you are afraid of dying, you need to come and let a personal worker take their Bible and show you how to be saved. As we sing the first stanza, will you come as we sing? Will you sing it? Sing it right out. If you've never been saved, come. The greatest need in the world today is people being saved. If you've never been saved, come today. If you're living like you're not saved, be careful. You ought to come today. Come home. Will you come? Let God save your soul. Maybe as a backslider you need to come back. Will you come? Tenderly Jesus is calling. Calling, oh sinner, come my friend, the invitation is open to all today. If you need a church home, the doors are open. However we receive members, you want to be a member, why come, present yourself. If you're here as a Christian, you claim to be a Christian, but you're not serving God. You don't go to church regular. You have no active part in any part of the church. But you call yourself a Christian. Don't you think it's time to come home? You say, well, I know I'm saved and that's the most important thing. My friend, listen, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. That your life is a witness against you. There are going to be multitudes of people in hell that thought they were saved but just backslidden. 
they're going to die an ignominious death. And instead of waking up at the Savior's feet, are going to be in the flames of hell with the rich man and all other unsaved people. It will be the greatest shock of your life. And when you stand before God and you begin to to complain about you thought you were saved and now you're in hell, God is going to reveal, He's going to review your life from the time you said you were saved until the time you died and how many times your life, your sin, your disobedience, your unfaithfulness, your unwillingness, your criticisms of the work were a testimony against you and you would not listen to them. Every sin you commit, my friend, is a testimony against you. My friend, if you claim to be a Christian, you're not going to church. You're not being even nothing faithful about you. Think about it. You've got your opportunity. Sinner friend, maybe you're here today and you're looking at one of the church members. You say, well, I'm, I live just as good of a life as they do. And you let the bad testimony of some church member keep you from being saved. I have bad news for you. You may both go to the same place and it won't be heaven. The important thing is for you. For you like the blind man. You like the Samaritan woman. You like the prodigal. Come to yourself. See yourself. See how that what you are in the light of Jesus Christ as revealed in the scripture. We're going to sing one more verse just for you. Will you come and be saved? Verse 2, sing it right out. Tis pleading, pleading for you and for me. My friend, you hold the key to the door. Open it to the Lord today. Invite the Lord Jesus to come in. Will you come? Will you come? Let Jesus save your soul. Come home today. Like the prodigal. Or like the woman of Samaria that had no home.